Once again, we welcome you back into the great Michigan weekend here on 760 WJR. Obviously, uh, the tragedy in Oxford last Tuesday, an event that will change many, many lives forever. Tate Meir, Hannah St. Juliana, Madison Baldwin, Justin Schilling, uh, four teenagers who will not grow um, and experience the things that they should have. And uh, as I stated earlier, uh, as a father, uh, this particular story greatly offends me because, you know, it's been a mess uh, since the beginning. And the more that we have learned over a period of time, the more you honestly believe that it could have and should have been prevented. Uh, when I say that lives are forever changed, uh, we're going to talk about that right now. Always nice to have Donna Rockwell with us. Donna is a clinical psychologist here in Michigan as well as New York and adjunct faculty at Seabrook University College of Integrative Medicine and Health Sciences. And we're going to get some valuable insight. Donna, how are you? Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on this very sad Saturday morning. That's uh, absolutely horrific, uh, Donna. There's absolutely no question about that. And, uh, you know, our heart bleeds uh, for uh, the families that lost these very special young people, uh, the injured, um, the faculty, the administration. Uh, it goes on and on, especially when you consider. And we don't have time to get into, um, you know, the specifics of the youngster involved. What we need to talk to you about is, you know, the survivors have a lot of questions. It's supposed to be safe to go to school. Maybe not these days, because this has been something that's been going on for a while. Uh, but I'm sure that there's parents in Oxford and everywhere that are listening to questions from their children. Am I going to be safe going to school? How do you de handle that? I think you're bringing up the most important point in how we comfort our children. And that is to talk about their safety, to make them feel like they're okay, that they are in a place where their parents are watching out for them, administrators are watching out for them, and teachers are watching out for them. So even though this has become more of a regular occurrence in our society, it's important to tell your children that it is a very, very, very rare occurrence when you look at it statistically, and that there are people in their schools right now making sure that it is safe there for them to go back to school as they were out last week, most of them, and to understand that they are safe and we are taking care of you. It's more important that they feel comfortable in their place in the world than that they you know, know everything that could possibly happen in their lives. And probably the most important thing to do is for parents to stay calm themselves. Because interestingly, only a small percent of our communication is verbal. Most of it is nonverbal. So our right. children can really feel what we're feeling. So we need to really be there for our children by holding ourselves together, by holding ourselves in a state of calm mental wellness so that they can model how we're acting if we get hysterical, we're only hurting our children. Donna, I, um, at the risk of sounding corny, remember a story that uh, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, used to tell when he was a child and would ask his mom, why are bad things happening? And why, why does this happen? And, you know, being an upset 
child over issues like this. His mom said, well, whenever that happens, be sure to take a look and identify the people that rush in to help the police, fire people, EMS, doctors, uh, people in the school system. Is that a is that a good approach to take? I think it's an excellent approach. And who doesn't love Mr. Rogers or miss him? And the way he would teach children how to feel a sense of calm and love, you know, what a great model he was for all of us growing up. But yes, what's so interesting about times like this is we see the worst of humanity and absolutely the best of humanity. And the way to heal during times like this is to turn toward one another with compassion and love. So it is so interesting that that is what to do. Like when we're very, very upset about whatever it might be in life, it's important to look at the other side, like what good things are happening. Why? So that we actually have a balanced perspective in what we're talking about, what we're dealing with and what we're looking at. So we need to, we need to make sure that we're both looking at reality and also looking at the love and the gift, the very core of humanity. You know, Donna, a very sad commentary as it applies to this horrific story. You kind of knew from the get-go that this was going to lead to copycats. That is to say, bizarre people are going to go out of their way to call in threats to school districts. We saw so many school districts in this great state close because each and every one has got to be taken seriously. What compels an individual in a tragedy of this magnitude to carry it on even further? I don't get it. Well, of course, we can't get um, these situations that are completely outside our scope of, uh, you know, imagination. They say the reason that we can't be ready for situations like this is what's called a failure of imagination. We just can't possibly imagine it. That's what happened at 9 too, 9-11, was that it was a failure of imagination. We couldn't even imagine such a thing. So that's why we're so flummoxed right now and we don't really, you know, know how to deal with it. I've come to think that since Columbine, sadly, this idea of a, of a disgruntled, angry, sad high school shooter has become something of an archetype in our society where because it's been so prevalent in the media, young, particularly men who are angry, feeling sad, don't know how they're going to make it in this world that feels so chaotic and confusing to them, they take this model, this archetype, and live it out. Look yeah. at the drawings that this young man made, you know? He that was patterns. crying out for help. Yes, patterns, yes. Uh, I was thinking, too, Donna, one thing that you could really help people with this morning, and heaven forbid, you talk about uh, failure of imagination. How can a parent determine that their own child is upset to a point where they're, they've stopped being rational and they've just become so morose that they're really concerned about where that might lead. You know, it's so interesting you mentioned that. Um, my father had a little bit of trouble when he was a young man, um, be, being very sad all the time. I think it, you would call it depression. And when his mother, you know, in the 50s, took him to the doctor, the doctor said he needs to see a psychiatrist. But she was too embarrassed to take him to a psychiatrist. She said, I'll, I'll, I'll heal him with extra love. Right. You know? But that doesn't really do it. 
I think as parents, we need to maturely look at our children and we need to assess what they need. You know, if they, if these parents were more on, on the money with the situation, they would have not only saved the lives of the people who were killed, but they would have saved their own son's life. Right. And that's where we've really seen such a tragedy here, a loss of life of children who will never grow up. These parents, these families, and this community is never going to get over this. They might figure out ways to cope with it, but you can't say the word Columbine without visualizing what happened there. And then, yes, copycats all across the nation. So I think we really need to figure out how to address this so that we don't ruin more lives, whether people are alive or suffering for the rest of their life. And just to repeat, Donna, as we continue our conversation uh, with you, uh, James and Jennifer Crumley were apprehended in the city of Detroit just before 2 o'clock this morning. Of course, uh, there was a massive manhunt uh, underway for them. Uh, the owner of a building uh, saw Jennifer Crumley outside, and they had found uh, the SUV, and uh, both the parents uh, tried to get away on foot, of course, that never really turns out well now, does it? So they are uh, apprehended. And uh, it, does it come down to this? And far be it from me, Donna, to oversimplify something. But when it comes to tragedies of this magnitude, um, do are we in a situation as opposed to being reactive or actually being proactive? We've become reactive. And that is kind of a sad thing for me. It's very sad. And I guess in some way, I know I'm asking for the impossible, but perhaps we need to take politics out of this issue and focus on the lives of our young people and figure out how to create, you know, laws where this can happen less and less and less rather than more and more and more, which it seems to, to, to occur in that way. And it's because of copycats. It's because if we see something in the media and it makes us feel better by viewing it, then we are going to incorporate that into our central nervous system, into our neurology. We're learning every second that we're alive. So I guess we have to figure out what we're teaching our children so that they can grow up to be responsible adults. And these parents, obviously, that's a very scary part to me, is looking at their lack of responsibility, the cavalier nature of just don't get caught. And we have to get rid of that notion in our society that we can do whatever we want as long as we don't get caught. No, we have to do what's important. And when no one's looking is what matters. Making the right choices, having a value system. Maybe we need to get back to that more in our country somehow. Donna, thank you so much. You've been very helpful this morning, and I know everybody listening appreciates you being on board with us. Donna Rockwell, clinical psychologist Thanks, here Donna. in Michigan and uh, New York, and kind of the resident uh, psychologist here for WJR. We thank you. Thanks All right, we're going to take a break. Me. And coming back.